This podcast is a production of Open Pediatrics, an open access online community of healthcare professionals sharing best practices from around the world. Visit openpediatrics.org for more. Hello and welcome to the Open Pediatrics podcast. I'm Tracy Walbrink, critical care attending at Boston Children's Hospital, also the co-director of Open Pediatrics and an associate professor of anesthesia at Harvard Medical School. And I'm excited to be here today with Dr. Ebor Jacob James, who is a professor of pediatrics and pediatric critical care at the Christian Medical College in Vellore, India. He's also the president of PediStars and the chair of the Academic Council of the Indian Academy of Pediatrics, Intensive Care Chapter, College of Pediatric Critical Care. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Tracy. It's my pleasure and great to be here to open pediatrics. Fantastic. So you have a lot of responsibilities and wear a lot of hats within medical education. And I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about the the current state of pediatric critical care training in India. Yeah, thank you for that question. It's great to know about the pediatric critical care training in India. So until the year 2002, there was no accredited pediatric critical care fellowship training exist in India. Then at that time, people want to go overseas to get trained in pediatric critical care medicine and come back to India. And in the year 1998, Indian Academy of Pediatrics started the intensive care chapter. And from then on, there were annual conferences used to help. But in the year 2002, a small group of intensivists were trained overseas, and they started a pediatric critical care council, and that introduced a fellowship program, which was initially a one-year fellowship program, followed by a two-year fellowship program as well. And as of now, handful of institutions probably uh, having the three-year fellowship program, probably is equal to which is existing in the U.S., and uh, which is like DM Doctorate of Medical Medicine in Pediatric Critical Care, as well as by the National Board of Examination, Doctorate in National Board Pediatric Critical Care. So these are existing in certain institutions, but most of the places we have the fellowship accredited by the Indian Academy of Pediatrics, Intensive Care Chapter, College of Pediatric Critical Care. And we do run, there are two courses. One is a one-year Indian Diploma of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine, and another one is a two-year Indian Fellowship in Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. As of now, we have 67 centers all over India, and probably around 100 to 120 fellows come out every year. That's a great, and we have the scene has changed significantly from the year 2002 to now 2023, probably in two decades. It's a great growth for the pediatric critical care medicine in India. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And, you know, I'm curious, with that many fellows coming out every year, what does it look like as they're looking for jobs and how many pediatric intensive care units? What do most of the pediatric ICU staffing models look like? Are they usually staffed by intensivists? Are they staffed by pediatricians? How does that look in India and how do you see that changing with this? See, there is small growth of this closed ICUs, which is managed by the pediatric critical care physicians. But still, the open ICUs exist in certain part of tier two cities, probably by the general pediatricians. And the one of the reason for keeping the one-year diploma course is for our trained pediatric critical care fellows to go into tier two and to the probably the rural settings, and they can be of much help in setting up pediatric intensive care and save lives and reduce the infant and childhood mortality rate in India. 
That's fantastic. I was wondering if you could explain a little bit about the way that you were mentioning these one and two year fellowships and that the Indian Academy of Pediatrics accredit those. Maybe you could explain a little bit more the difference between the two of those, what that looks like, what initiatives the Indian Academy of Pediatrics is sort of looking to do related to this fellowship training in the future. Yeah, so the one-year fellowship, uh, we call it as a diploma, Indian Diploma of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. It's all the 12 months they have to be in pediatric intensive care. There is no peripheral postings usually, and they need not do any project. So, But at the end of their 12 months training in the accredited centers, they have to appear for an exit exam, which is centralized, conducted by the College of Pediatric Critical Care. Indian Fellowship of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine is a two-year program, so they can go to the other ICUs, get exposed to anesthesia programs, as well as they have supposed to do a project and appear for another exam. There is a difference between the two exams as well. That's great. So one is really quite heavily clinical, intended to put out great pediatric intensivists that are going to go out. And the second one is, is it fair to say it's slightly more academic with those that are going to do pediatric critical care and pediatric critical care research? Absolutely. Yes. We encourage them to do that, but we have not made it mandatory to have a research, but it is optional and desirable to do a project within their two years. Well, great. And I'm wondering, you know, a little bit of what does the actual training look like? What are sort of your balance for your fellows between clinical work? What are the structured educational initiatives that you're doing for the fellows across centers? How standardized is that? And what are some of the innovations you're thinking about? It's a great question because we do accredit these centers as level three ICUs and then fellowship candidates go there. But some of the centers, probably they are small. They may have one or two pediatric intensivists, and they have to do the clinical work and concentrate on the fellows teaching as well. So IEP College of Intensive Care, Critical Care has taken the initiative to teach them. We have conducted regular webinars, fortnightly faculty teaching from the core curriculum and followed by mentor-mentee class, we call it as, because it is case-based discussion. The fellows will present as though in an exam and there will be a discussion. So these are uh, the activities of the college through nationwide webinars. And also individual units, they conduct their own program of teaching, like um, didactic lectures as well as case-based discussion. Some centers which have the simulation centers, they will do simulation-based education. So in our center at Christian Medical College Vellore, we have regular pattern of academic schedule like teaching rounds, grand rounds. Every Wednesdays we do have a simulation-based education in the simulation center. Apart from that, we do mobile cart at mock code in situ simulation. So plus there is a fellows teaching as well moderated by the faculty. And once in two weeks, there is faculty teaching as well. So these are the ways we do systematically to cover the core curriculum for the fellowship. Fantastic. And, you know, you mentioned a lot about, you know, the simulation activities that you're doing. And I'm, I know as the president of PD Stars, <laughs> that's an area that you are thinking a lot about and working on. And I'm curious, within the pediatric critical care space, what are some of the strategic initiatives you're working on, both for fellowship training, as well as training other medical professionals within India? 
Right, this is an important area which we are really working on. And before the year 2014, we are not familiar with the simulation-based education. So thanks to PEDISTARS, that is the Pediatric Simulation Training and Research Society of India, which was founded in the year 2013, precisely in August 2013 it was registered. It's founded by my good friends, Dr. Rakshay Shetty, Dr. Gidanjali, and Dr. Suchata Tiagarajan. So these three people who learned their simulation-based education from their overseas training, and they wanted to do this in India to start a society and to be an advocate for simulation-based education. This happened with the great support from the international mentors like Dr. Vinay Narkarni from CHOP, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, Dr. Peter Weinstock from Boston Children's Hospital, and Dr. Mike Shepard from Starship uh, Auckland, New Zealand. And after this, we uh, supported, we got a great support from IPSS, International Pediatric uh, Simulation Society, and we are affiliated with them and later on with SSHS as well, Society for Simulation in Healthcare. So after that, there is a big growth in the simulation-based education and an awareness among the medical faculty. However, it is to set up a simulation center, it is expensive. So a lot of low-cost innovations we are helping through the pedistas as well and to do the simulation-based education. Now, with this progress from the National Medical Commission, that is, previously it's called Medical Council of India, has come out with a plan, a strategic plan for the MBBS graduates, that medical education, to have a competency-based psychomotor skill education. So they have uh, given an order to all the medical schools to have skills lab and to start teaching the medical students through the simulation based. That's mainly focusing on psychomotor skills. Plus, they advise to have, they call it as ATCOM module, which is attitude, ethics, and communication. So it is really a great initiative to incorporate that attitude, ethics, and communication into the psychomotor skills. The problem or the challenge which we face is every medical school is building a skills lab, but not enough trained faculty to do that. So now recently pedistas have taken the lead in the country to start such training of trainers courses for the competency-based skills training for the medical faculty. We did conduct one course in St. Medical College Velour in 2022 December. Now in March, we are going to conduct in Mysore as well. I have to say, it's really exciting to see the pediatric side of things really taking the initiative and and stepping forward as being the leader in in developing the simulation training for India. And I think, you know, you bring up a really important point in that so many places think that simulation involves fancy mannequins, shiny simulation center. And what I'm hearing from you is that it sounds like you're really investing in the people and you're investing in the the faculty development. And is that sort of a mission of PD Stars? Yes, absolutely. So as I told, PD Stars in the year 2000, 2013 is founded. It's now 10 years by this August, and uh, we are really excited to celebrate the 10 years of Pedistas' existence and growth of simulation-based education. The flagship program of Pedistas, I would say that, it's faculty development program. This was initiated by in the year 2015 itself as a two-day program, contact course, where the participants come and will be trained in um, needs assessment, curriculum development, case scenario scripting and debriefing as well as a two-day program. They will be given level one certification. 
If they are further interested to pursue in simulation-based education and training, they need to do six to eight scenarios in the next six months with a portfolio submission. This will be mentored by the senior uh, faculty in the Pedistas and the core group members. We mentor them. With this mentoring, usually initially used to happen through WhatsApp groups and now probably after the COVID, it's a Zoom link or at Microsoft Teams. We talk to them and reflect on them and debrief. So this portfolio submission of six to eight scenarios over six months will lead on to them a level two certification. If they want to go further, they have to do a project. They need to do a needs assessment at their workplace and to do a capstone project, which may help them to change a system or something new into their management strategy. So then they will be given level three certification. So this faculty development program of Pedistas is quite popular in India and we are helping them simulation educators to develop simulation educators and simulation leaders in India. That's fantastic. And I've obviously been following the PD Stars from its development and have seen such incredible growth. And one of the things that's always struck me as being just unbelievably outstanding is just this degree of encouragement, collaboration, and this faculty connection that you're describing, you know, through WhatsApp and Zoom. And, you know, I'm curious, how is that in reality? And in terms of how do you kind of bring people together in that fold and sort of continue people's engagement? through this because, you know, we often see people get really excited about a teaching program and then they fall off. And so how do you make this sustainable and that those that are trained then go on to be mentors for others and sort of what factors have been success for promoting this kind of train the trainers and sort of explosion of faculty that are willing to contribute back? Because I think this is a great example. Right, but it is it is an example, I agree, but there is a challenge too for us in a sense. So far we have got 50 uh, level 3 certified instructors or facilitators all over India. So they help us in mentoring or co-mentoring the new participants who come for the faculty development program. And we do a group of pedistas group where they, we do promote all the international as well as national level simulation uh, programs simulation awareness week every year we conduct the same awareness week of the ssh and as a similar thorn over a point prevalence area they will give a topic of that particular year and we encourage them to do the case scenarios so now and then we conduct webinars as well so to promote and motivate simulation based education Apart from this, we do conduct uh, simulation training in emergency pediatric. It's a step workshop, like one-day workshop of simulation-based case scenarios in pediatrics. Neosim, that is a neonatal simulation program, as well as success, we call that is the advanced intensive care program, as well as for nursing. So we really want our nurses to be empowered and to be the leaders in simulation as well. So we call the SNAP. It is a simulation for nursing acute care pediatrics pediatrics and we promote all these workshops now and then over the all the zones of India and just making that simulation based education alive and giving a boost to them. That's fantastic. I mean, you know, the strategies that you're describing of how do you keep this momentum going, I think, are really inspirational. You know, these these simulation activities where throughout the entire country, people are doing the same scenarios related to a, a big topic, making sure that you have multidisciplinary professionals being part of the team and instrumental to the delivery across domains, I think, is crucial. And it, it's been 
really exciting to see and, and amazing to hear the large amount of work that you're doing. I have to ask, though, India is a huge country with so many people. How do you imagine scaling this? Is this similar in the adult population? Is there a similar initiative? Or what does this look like? Because, you know, you, you mentioned earlier about trying to bring simulation training to all medical schools. That seems like a large number of students to teach. And I'm, I'm curious what you're thinking about, because this seems like a huge task to me. Absolutely. So our name itself says pedistas, so pediatrics. So even though those who are simulation enthusiasts from anesthesia or other disciplines, by looking at the name, they'll say, oh, this is pediatric group. Yes, there is a challenge for us. But now we are including everyone from other disciplines as well as anesthesiology, medicine, critical care, OBG. All these people there since pedistas has taken a big lead in simulation healthcare in India and simulation-based education. But we do have affiliation with other groups, like we have a simulation healthcare society that deals with adults and uh, means anesthesia and other critical care disciplines. We have affiliation with them and we do conduct courses for them as well. And we promote and we affiliate with them. Well, that's great. And, you know, I think such an important point of showing the success, bringing others on, and really demonstrating that throughout multiple specialties, professions, disciplines is really going to hopefully start educating the masses and bringing simulation to every hospital and, and medical school that's out there. Kind of relatedly to the masses, you had mentioned the 120 fellows that are graduating. There obviously are way more hospitals and so many children in India. You had mentioned a lot of these hospitals are being cared for by by non-intensivists, pediatricians, and others that are working in some of these pediatric intensive care units or places where critical care is being done. What kind of work are you doing related to kind of using simulation to train those non-intensivists that are taking care of these critically ill children out in the periphery and in other centers where there is not pediatric critical care doctors? As of now, we have not done any work, but our future direction is towards that. So during the COVID, since so we are not having the in-situ simulation. We were planning virtual and distance simulation. So in our institute in Christian Medical College, Vellut, we have the SIM capture of the B-lines. So using that, we shared the, our team performing in the SIM center through the online platform and make it as a two-way debriefing and as a webinar type of thing so that the knowledge can be percolated to the people in the remote places. And we do have a mission hospital network in CMC. So during the COVID, we do have contact courses for them, postgraduate diploma in family medicine, we call. For them also, I tried this method of distance simulation. It worked and they were all really fascinated and gave a great feedback. And another thing, when I was doing the International Pediatric Simulation Society and Inspire Fellowship in simulation, I have to do a capstone project, but it was during the COVID period and we can't do an in-situ. So I was fortunate to have collaboration with Children's Hospital Philadelphia and Annenberg School of Communication. So initially, I used the telesim box by the ASAP, that American College of Emergency Pediatrics, and tried with our fellows and residents. And by the time uh, Elizabeth Sansu from Chopulse has tried a project with medical students, and the feedback was, it is a linear pathway, so you go on with the same progress of the patient. But when the performers or the team suggest something, if there is a change in the vitals or change in the patient's vitals, that will be more interactive. 
So we have come out with the collaboration with Ananbar School of Communication, a concept called Ananbar Hotkeys. It's nothing but uh, hotkeys written with JavaScript and HTML. So in this, I recorded uh, pre-recorded video clips of Indian children. Those who are in shock and capillary fill time prolonged with distress and with oxygen masks. And they are embedded with our computer uh, buttons. And we can change when the team is saying suggestions, okay, I'm putting high flow oxygen, the vitals change with oxygen saturations. It is more interactive and we could demonstrate that this distance or the tele-simulation which is low cost can impact real patient outcomes. We did it over a nine-month period, and uh, I did this uh, two scenarios for our about 76 participants as teams. Same teams we did, two scenarios. One is septic shock, and another one with cardiogenic component. And uh, there was a great difference in the task completion. That means the performance of the team was improving after the intervention and sustained post-intervention as well. And in the outcome of the first hour hemodynamic outcome, that we looked at the shock reversal time, and it shows a great reduction in the shock reversal. That's an improvement in the patient outcome. So we are thinking this can be replicated probably in the mission network in the peripheral hospitals in Mission India. So um, this is my next project. I'm thinking about doing it over the mission hospital. The same concept uh, with the job uh, they are trying in Ghana as well. So we are looking forward for a great opportunity using low-cost techniques and reaching out the masses. That's fantastic. I mean, there are so few educational studies that get to that top level of the Kirkpatrick pyramid in looking at patient outcomes. And quite impressive that you were able to do that with a low fidelity sort of resource that could then be scalable to all of these places. Is this project available for others to use or is that something that you hope to sort of build out in the future? Absolutely. So I'm in collaboration with CHOP and with the mentorship of Dr. Vinay Nadkarni and his team. And this project has been planned for in Ghana as well as in India, yes, probably we can uh, to others as well, uh, so that it can reach the masses with a low-cost telesimulation. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that innovation. So kind of on this theme of educating the masses, I know that you've been doing a lot of work in PD Stars with educating non-healthcare professionals, and I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about the Stop the Bleed project. Yes, it's a great question. And this is the brainchild of Dr. Vinay Nadkarni and Geeta Anchali, our colleague from Pedistas, has been doing this. It's called uh, Active Bleeding Control, Stop the Bleed, or ABC Guru. I think this project was launched in September 2018 as a phase one. And this first phase, uh, they were training uh, auto rickshaw drivers, police personnel, and other citizens to be uh, volunteers. They had a two and a half hours sessions of teaching scene safety, identifying the bleed and how to give direct pressure and applying tunicate. And during the second phase, they trained school students, about 500 school students and their families. They are now the volunteers, about 3,000 people. And this project is, even during the first phase, it is estimated about 170 lives have been saved by them. So it is showing an impact on that. And now as a phase two, this ABC Stop the Bleed program has been launched in Bangalore. And they had the fourth summit recently in September 2022 at Hyderabad. So it is a great project. 
it's like public private partnership so they are partnership with uh, emergency medicine it's a emri we call that is ambulance services they know and public health foundation of india and india development fund all ngos they support this so that's a big awareness and a big success to that recently i had in december just a month ago the government of telangana that is the hyderabad region state has passed an order to the stations police stations to train all of them in this stop the bleed project and to get trained as volunteers to be a part of this so great uh, success for the peristas stop the bleed program Wow. Well, you've given us so much to think about uh, in terms of the current state of the training for pediatric critical care, the way that PD Stars is influencing the training in medical schools, educating the masses, um, including lay personnel. If I could ask you one last question for those that might be in training or as junior faculty members, I'm curious if maybe you'd share a little bit with your pathway how you got interested in in medical education to make that a career, and if you have any advice for those that might be considering that or interested in a career in critical care and medical education, what advice might you have for them to kind of get started? And you know, how did you get started, and what advice do you have? or i will say even for example for simulation so even during that time when it was introduced to us even lot of seniors were very skeptical about that because see one do one and teach one is the mantra during our medical education so this change was very much disturbing many people and not willing to accept but i was finding it fascinating in the sense in a, a patient safety manner as well as in a safe environment we can to perform and we can commit errors and we can discuss about this so i was passionate about that and i was persevering towards so i would say the two words passion and perseverance for your medical education as well Fantastic. I love that. I think, you know, all great innovations start with a really great idea, the initiative and passion for that to move forward, and then the the face to kind of push on even when others are skeptical. And, you know, I I think you've clearly demonstrated a pathway where, you know, you've shown such amazing outcomes by doing that. And I hope that your journey and and that will help others that are interested in other innovations that are exploding now. You know, if we think about the metaverse, augmented and virtual reality, artificial intelligence, you know, there's so much many pathways where right now we can't quite see the complete vision and where they're going but hopefully this can inspire some individuals that are really passionate about and thinking about this to help us all figure out how we can move this into the future uh, of medical education absolutely but then another thing i need to be thankful to my mentors so the mentorship is very important in medical education as well even to be faculty to go to the next level so i had the opportunity to have great mentors like vinay nadkarni and in the India the Peristas group and so that I can go and learn more about the simulation based education and to be a trainer for that so it is mentorship is also and collaboration is very very important to do this Thank you. I think those are such crucial lessons. I think we've all benefited from incredible mentors and the collaboration that we have. I know you and I have collaborated on many projects throughout the years and it's just been um an incredible journey and that's what makes life exciting. Absolutely and we look forward for the further collaboration as well. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor to chat with you and hear about all the incredible work in innovations in education uh within Indian critical care and simulation. So, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. This has been a production of Open Pediatrics. 
You can find the resources and journal articles referenced in this podcast in the description. We have more podcasts like this one available everywhere you get your podcasts. Visit openpediatrics.org for more information. Thank you.